Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. I guarantee you, you're going to get behind your productivity from this episode. I get to talk to Rory Vaden, author of Take the Stairs and the upcoming book Procrastinate on Purpose. Rory's first book, Take the Stairs, was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, was number one on the USA Today, and number two on the New York Times bestseller list, and has been translated into 11 different languages. He definitely struck a chord with that one, but as you'll hear from this conversation, that book, as well as the new one, go hand in hand. So you're not going to only just learn why you need to do the things you need to do, you're going to learn which things are the things you need to do, and then how to decide when to do them, and then how to do them from these two books. It's awesome. It's amazing. I love both of these books. I have read them. Here's me giving a two-thumb-up high endorsement that you can't see through your ears, but I am doing it. Anyway, Rory is founder of the Center for Study of Self-Discipline, and he also has a podcast called Daily Discipline with Rory Vaden. But enough about Rory. Let's talk to Rory. And stay tuned later to hear about something that I like. All right, welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. This week, I get to talk to Rory Vaden, who I just gave an awesome intro to. Rory, you'll have to trust me on that. Rory, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. It's good to, good to be here. So all the great things that I just said about you to the audience, you're, you're an author, a podcaster, uh, a radio guy, your consultant, your, and then there's this productivity stuff, which you probably don't look at as like, and I think I've actually heard you say this, you literally aren't aiming to be, you know, another person out there peddling productivity, so to speak. So what is your ultimate goal in these two books, Take the Stairs and now Procrastinate on Purpose? Mm, what an interesting question. So uh, my area of study uh, and my whole mission in life is about helping people increase their self-discipline. And so, you know, the media has been referring to me lately as a self-discipline strategist. And uh, so my whole area of expertise as an individual is about the psychology of overcoming procrastination, improving self-discipline, and helping people do the things they know they should be doing that they don't want to do. The Take the Stairs book, uh, when it came out three years ago, it was all about how to do the things you know you should do that you don't want to do. So it's really about the psychology of overcoming procrastination. But there's a, there was one phrase in there, and almost every major media appearance that we got, you know, uh, Fox and Friends and Forbes and yada yada, was, was around a concept that I introduced in Take the Stairs called priority dilution. And I said priority dilution is the new form of procrastination. Classic procrastination is consciously delaying on the things you know you should be doing. And that's what we all think of when we hear the word. But priority dilution was this new phrase that um, we sort of inadvertently coined. Priority dilution doesn't affect the lazy people or the apathetic people. It affects the chronic overachievers, the people who are working long hours and are hustling, and maybe they are a small business owner or a salesperson or um, you know, somebody who's really trying. But what happens is the same net result that at the end of the day, their most important activities on their to-do list are left unchecked, not because of laziness again, but because they get pulled in a million directions. They consciously or unconsciously allow themselves to be pulled towards maybe less important but perhaps more urgent tasks. So priority dilution is 
kind of the new the new form of procrastination that affects the the overachievers. Well, there was only two paragraphs in Take the Stairs on that concept, but but people seem to go nuts over it. And so we said, wow, that's a real problem that people seem to, to gravitate towards. And so we said, how can we solve that problem? And so that is what led us uh, unexpectedly to write the, this new book that's coming out called Procrastinate on Purpose. The, the, the intersection, we can talk a little bit more about the intersection of the two, but that's how we got here, Eric. Let's do a quick sprint up those stairs and right. maybe cover some of the take the stairs stuff so that it kind of can give some – it gives context. It's kind of like a – you know these two books from what I've seen, it's like a one-two punch. So let's do that. Let's talk about you know short-term versus long-term and choices and consequences and he, easy and hard and the preconceived notions we have with that stuff. Take the Stairs is really nothing other than the seven misconceptions that people have about self-discipline. And I think part of the reason it, it, it became so pervasive uh, worldwide, uh, it's like 11 languages now, it's been really awesome. And I never set out to, to write a book to solve the world's problems. I, I set out to solve my own. Um, and there's a whole backstory there about some of the self-discipline issues that I had. But the book is just these seven misconceptions. And, it, and people realize that self-discipline isn't as hard as we think when we know how to think about it the right way. And the very first principle, which is part of the core premise, is called the paradox principle of sacrifice. And simply stated, it is easy short-term choices lead to difficult long-term consequences. Meanwhile, difficult short-term choices lead to easy long-term consequences. And this great paradox here is what seems like the easy way actually is what creates the more difficult life. And what seems like the hard thing, you know, making the sacrifice, actually is what makes life easier. And sort of the, I guess I would say, the signature story around that, that piece is I, I just talk about in nature, uh, growing up in Colorado, we have both buffalo and cows. And Colorado is one of the only places in the world because of our sort of topographical landscape that we have those two creatures. And there's a great lesson, you know, it's a very good demonstration that when storms come in Colorado, they almost always develop in the west from over the mountains and then they roll out towards the east. And what cows do is very natural. A cow can sense that a storm is coming from the west. And so a cow will run east away from the storm. The only problem with that is that anybody that knows anything about cows knows that they're not very fast. And so the <laughs> storm catches them. And the cows also are not very smart. And so instead of stopping, the cows continue to try to run away from the storm. They try to outrun the storm. But instead of outrunning the storm, they actually run with the storm, which makes it worse. Humans do the same thing all the time. We spend so much of our lives constantly trying to avoid the, the inevitable but difficult choices you know, or different difficult challenges that we must be faced that are the result of our very own choices. People who are in debt constantly try to find ways around paying their bills. People who are unhealthy are often making excuses for why it doesn't matter or you know, they've tried to diet before, they tried to work out and it didn't work. People who are struggling in their marriage avoid the difficult but meaningful conversations that need to be had. The key insight that ultra performers have made is they realize all of those problems, problems that are procrastinated on, are amplified. So waiting always makes it worse. But what buffalo do is buffalo wait for the storm to cross right over the crest of the peak of the mountaintop. And as the storm rolls over the ridge, 
Buffalo, instead of running east like cows away from the storm, buffalo turn and they run west. Uh, in other words, they run right at the storm. They charge into the storm. And by running directly at the storm, they run straight through it, which minimizes the amount of pain and time and frustration they experience. It's such a great metaphor for life and procrastination because the mistake is to try to go through life without having any difficulty. <laughs> and that, that's why we procrastinate because we're like, oh, I want to put off the thing that is really hard. But that's futile. Procrastination is a creditor that charges you interest. So you can either pay the price now today or you will pay it later with interest. And so that gives, like, I guess, a spirit of take the stairs in like th- two, two minutes here. Now, procrastinating on purpose is a little bit different because people say, they go, okay, Rory, so I don't understand. In take the stairs, you said procrastination is the most expensive and visible cost in business today. And now you're saying procrastinate on purpose. But I mean, you basically spent the first book saying, look, guys, there are no shortcuts. They all end up being long ways around where you end up beat up and, you know, you end up getting to the same place eventually, maybe, but there's no guarantee. And in fact, you, I, I love the rent axiom mm. that it, it's that continued doing the right thing every single day. Or in other words, how you say it, success is never owned. It's only rented and the rent is due every day. And all of that is true, okay? So nothing about that has right. changed. The title is just kind of a catchy title that actually fits in. So, so here's what the distinction is. There's a big difference in waiting to do something that we know we should be doing, but we don't feel like doing it, versus waiting because we're deciding that now is not the right time. Waiting to do something when you know you should do it and you don't, want to, and you don't feel like doing it, that's procrastination. That's the most expensive invisible cost in business today. That's the thing that will destroy your health and your finances and your marriage and your business. That is what Take the Stairs solves. But waiting to do something because you're intentionally deciding that now is not the right time, not checking email in the middle of the day so that you can focus on uh, interfacing with your customers when they're available, right? Not taking an incoming phone call from, uh, you know, work when you're, you're having time with your kids or with your spouse, not getting sucked up into the busy work of priority dilution when you're deciding intentionally that now is not the right time to do something. That's not procrastination. That is patience. That is saying, I can let these other insignificant things wait so that I can focus on the things that I need to do. So we call that procrastinate on purpose. You're procrastinating on the insignificant things so that you can focus on the big things. It's giving yourself the permission to not feel pressured always by the urgency of fires um, so that you can instead focus on the things that are really significant. In a way to kind of summarize that is inaction that results from indulgence is procrastination. Inaction that results from intention, that is patience. And patience is what the world needs because most of us check our emails 24 hours a day, seven days a week, frenetically going back and back. It's it's like a drug addiction. And it's because we're trying to run on the hamster wheel, trying to keep up with everything. And what is happening is we're pulled constantly away from things that are most significant. And so The Procrastinate on Purpose book is about what to do with everything else. How do you manage all of the 
Because you can't just say never answer your email. You can't just say never do paperwork. You can't just say never return those phone calls. You have to have a system for how to do that. And that's what procrastinating on purpose is all about. It's these five, the five permissions to multiply your time is what the subtitle is. Okay. So this classic procrastination, you know, somebody who's read the first book, they'll say, okay, cool. I'm going to start doing the things that I need to do. I would guess that those are the people that if they've not gone into this third version of procrastinating and procrastinating on purpose, probably get stuck in that what you call creative avoidance where they are checking their email constantly. And it's it's good to do that and it's something worthwhile to do, but they're doing it at the wrong time and they're constantly doing it, right? Yeah, creative avoidance is a, a third type of procrastination. And it's more like classic procrastination in, in that it happens to a person who is, is like, um, you know, maybe disengaged because they don't like their job or maybe they're just bored or maybe they're lazy or maybe they just are doing something they don't care about and they're apathetic, right? And what creative avoidance is, is creating stuff for yourself to do so that you can do that thing as a way of avoiding doing the thing you know you should be doing that you don't want to do. Um, that's creative avoidance. Priority dilution is more authentic. It's mm-hmm. more It's more of like, hey, you're a mover and shaker. You're becoming a leader. Your business is starting to take off, and now you, you legitimately have fires and things that need to be taken care of, and you're trying to balance keeping up, uh, you know, being a firefighter with being a seed planner and, and doing the things you need to do to set yourself up for more time and more results in the future, which we call multiplying your time. The message of both books is actually the exact same. It's do the things you know you should be doing. Take and the, the second th- one's more about how to know or how to approach learning you know, from yourself Yes, which of those things are the things you should be doing. Yeah, take the stairs is how to do the thing you know you should be doing procrastinating on purpose is how to identify what those things are and what to do with everything else. Like how do you about yeah. how do you manage the minutia? And and so here's what's really interesting and I did not realize this Eric until I was at the end typing the like towards the very end of the book writing the manuscript. Procrastinate on purpose isn't the sequel to take the stairs. It's the prequel. <laughs> right. I accidentally went Quentin Tarantino on everybody. So take the stairs. It, you know, it's fine if you if you've read it first, and it's it's a great. It, it really does set the foundation well, um, because it, it, take the stairs is kind of like almost from how to go from uh, good to good to great, right? Um, or even maybe more how to go from like mediocre to good, <laughs> and then and then procrastinating on purposes. Once you start applying all these principles of take the stairs, you're going to start making more money. Your business is going to start to grow. You're going to have lots of customers. You're going to have a lot to keep up with. How in the world do you manage all of these fires? And so with procrastinating on purpose, we went out and and we profiled you know dozens of these ultra performers, and we tried to really understand how do the most successful people in the world today. How do they think differently about time? Because there's all of these things that are really myths about time, like balance was a total myth that ultra performers don't, don't buy into. Even, uh, even having things like uh, a to-do list was rejected by a lot of people. E- the whole concept of prioritizing is, is something that multipliers, they kind of follow, but not really. And so we ended up exploding a lot of our own myths about what great time management looks like. And you know, the very first sentence of the book is, everything that you know about time management 
is wrong. Love it. I love it because it's going so much further beyond what has been held as true from these myths about, well, you got to be efficient and here's how you learn to do that. Or, you know, you got to learn to prioritize and here's how you learn to do that. And, you know, the whole Stephen Covey uh, urgent versus important thing, which I know a ton of people who listen to this show like hold as gospel. Yep. But you're saying there's actually a whole other dynamic to that. Yes. The number one thing that we discovered um, and, and the other thing about us, too, is, is like, you know, I'm not just a, like a full-time writer. So Southwestern Consulting is our business, and I'm, I'm one of the founders of uh, our company. We have 95 people now. Uh, we've had over uh, 3,300 coaching clients. Uh, we're doing work in 35 countries. And we have our, like a, a business that's really growing dramatically in the last few years. And we learn a lot from our clients because we do sales consulting is really what we do and sales coaching um, is our core business. And, you know, my little area of focus is procrastination and self-discipline and productivity, which definitely applies to salespeople. But our real, our overall company brand is much bigger than I am. And that's really sales. Um, but um, anyways, one of the things that we discovered in working with all these clients and looking at this is that time management is no longer just logical. Time management is emotional. Mm. And yet every single time management book you read is about tips and tricks. It's about tools, technology, apps. It's about checklists. It's about calendars. It's about organizational systems and filing systems and, and workflow charts. And all of that is good. There's, there's nothing wrong about, with it. There's nothing bad about it. It's all good. It just completely ignores the reality of time management in the world today. And that book that Dr. Covey wrote, is, it's a legendary book. It's, it's, it's prolific. It's pervasive. It's, it is, gosh, it is the gospel of, <laughs> of productivity. Um, and it, it changed my life. And, and uh, you know, all the things that we're learning are not refuting any of the things that Dr. Covey said. They're, they're building upon them. But that book was written in 1989. I mean, Eric, think about how different the world was in 1989. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like there's no crazy. internet. There's like barely internet. There's there's no email. There's no smartphones. There's no Snooky, right? There, th- <laughs> the th- fax machine was new. Yeah, the fax machine was like the new thing. And now there's no social media. It's like Facebook doesn't even come out un- until 2002 or 2003. And the world was completely different. And now we have we have a million things pulling on us in all these different mediums. So the world has, has changed. And one of the things that became obvious to us as we were looking th- through this and our team is sort of putting together the research and writing the book is that your calendar is great. Your, your to-do list, fine. Uh, but most of us are driven by as much by fear mm-hmm. and worry and anxiety and guilt and a need to feel belonging and the need to impress and those emotions have as much influence on how we decide to spend our time as what is on our calendar or what is in our inbox. Those emotions drive which things we pay attention to. And that is where the five permissions comes in. Hey, everybody. Eric here. Just wanted to take a brief pause on the conversation with Rory to let you know about something that I really love right now, which is my Casper mattress. I know, right? You're like, a mattress? Really? And I want to tell you, yeah. Really, one of the biggest things when it comes to productivity is getting good sleep, not just more hours, but better hours. And that's what I've been doing for this last month with my Casper mattress. It's engineered to be such an awesome cross between latex foam and memory foam. 
I'd tried memory foam mattresses before, and I thought, yeah, this is okay. And I'd had a spring mattress before that and thought, yeah, this is all right. So, you know, I didn't know what to expect with this combination of latex foam with memory foam. But I got to tell you, I was sold instantly when I laid down on it. It had just the right amount of firmness and support and just the right amount of bounce and comfiness or coziness or, you know, fluffiness, however you want to put it, that when you lay down on it, you feel both firmness and fluffiness in just the right proportion. And it's amazing. What's cool is you guys can try this out with a risk-free trial and return policy. You can sleep on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns if you're not sold, which honestly I know you're going to be. And since I know you're going to be sold, you'll be shocked at the value you get for the money that you pay. These are amazingly engineered mattresses that you would expect to pay shockingly higher prices for, but you don't. They start at 500 for a twin-size mattress and go all the way up to 950 for a king-size. And if you compare that to other beds of this quality, or lesser quality for that matter, that is an amazing deal. Not only that, but they have given me the ability to give you $50 off a purchase. All you need to do to take advantage of that offer is go to casper.com, that's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash to do that's casper.com slash t-o-d-o and then use the promo code to do that's t-o-d-o again fifty dollars off any mattress casper.com slash to do code word to do and get that mattress to start off your new year getting better sleep and boosting your productivity in procrastinating on purpose, we have this thing called the focus funnel, which is, is a visual depiction of the thought process that multipliers use to evaluate which tasks to spend time on. But to what you said about Dr. Covey, before you can even dive into the focus funnel, you have to completely redefine the way that you think about time. The first is realizing that it is not logical, it's emotional. The second thing is to use Dr. Covey's time management matrix, and actually because of copyright law, we got a, some licensing things that we had to sign with them to even talk about it, but we couldn't actually reprint it in the book, their time management matrix. But it's public domain enough to know that the y-axis is importance and the x-axis is urgency. That's the system of prioritizing that most of us use. It's like you make some calculation to score an activity to move it up in your queue. But what multipliers did is they don't just make a calculation on the y-axis of importance and the x-axis of urgency. There's a third calculation that they make, which isn't importance or urgency, it's significance. And significance becomes the z-axis, if you will, of that sort of diagram. It takes it from being two-dimensional into three-dimensional. And here's what the difference is. Importance is how much does this matter? It matters a lot or it doesn't matter a lot. Urgency is how soon does this matter? So if it must be done now, it's urgent. If it can wait, it's not urgent. Urgency is a part of determining importance. In other words, if it's urgent, that makes it more important naturally. But the, the part that most people are missing, which is sort of related to our emotions, is significance. And significance is how long does this matter? Uh, in other words, what am I doing today 
that can create more time tomorrow. And that is how you multiply your time in one sentence, is you give yourself the permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow or more results tomorrow. And the significance calculation is the natural offsetting calculation of urgency. Because urgency is, oh my gosh, it's a fire. It matters right now. But significance is saying, boy, I, sh- I need to spend some time to update the technology I'm using in my system because it's going to matter a lot in the future. It's going to affect everybody. And anything that you can do today that creates more time tomorrow is significant. And it may not be urgent. It likely isn't urgent. In fact, Dr. Covey even said the most productive people do is they don't spend their activities or their time just on urgent and important. They spend it on important but not urgent. That's things like strategic planning, you know, developing relationships, training, those kinds of things that are important but they're not urgent. Absent the significance calculation, you're always falling victim to whatever is latest and loudest. But when you shift your thinking and you start thinking not just about here and now, but you start thinking about how can I use my time in a way today that creates more time tomorrow? Not just what is most important, right? What are things I can be doing now that make tomorrow easier, that make tomorrow better, that make tomorrow faster? That's where the focus funnel starts to come in. Okay. So let me see if I can sum that up in a metaphor. Tell me if I've got this. A fire is urgent, but Mm -hmm. a fire is also important to put out. But significance would state, okay, yeah, we we realize that right now I don't have a firefighter or a firefighting team in place. Significance dictates – I'm going to put those in place and give myself permission to work on getting that in place for future fires. The metaphor or analogy that we use in the book, I always get those confused. Um, <laughs> it is urgent is being a firefighter. And it's not that you don't, that's a valuable skill to learn how to be a firefighter. But significant is learning to be a seed planner. It's planting seeds for all the things so that you're developing the future. And it's a balance of both. So it's not that you should never do urgent things. It's that most of us, are working so much. We have so many emails going so fast. And even if you look at a to-do list, Eric, it's not that like a to-do list is bad. And it's not that prioritizing is bad. Prioritizing is still a valuable skill. But the thing that people don't realize about prioritizing, prioritizing does nothing to create more time. All prioritizing does is take item number seven in your to-do list and bump it up to number one. You can be the world's greatest prioritizer and still always be freaking busy and overwhelmed (laughs) and behind. And still end up with like three things at the end of the day that you still not checked off that list. Exactly. And that, to me, describes the world that I was living in and our clients are living in. When was the last time you asked someone how they were doing and and then they didn't say, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so guilty of that. Everybody is so busy and, and we are busy. You know, Albert Einstein said, you can't use the same level of thinking that created the problem to solve the problem. We have to change the way that we're thinking. The only way to beat the tyranny of the urgent is to get out in front of it and prevent it from ever happening. And that's a matter of planting seeds, of creating systems that can deal with stuff for you so that you don't have to deal with it. It's spending time on things today that give you more time tomorrow. But even a to-do list, if you're not careful, causes you to limit your thinking. Because a to-do list asks the question, what is the most important thing that I can do today? And it's not that a to-do list is bad, it just doesn't force you to think the way a multiplier would think. A multiplier doesn't really say, what is the most important thing I have to do today? They say, what can I do today that will make tomorrow better? 
what system can I create? What training can I go through? What technology can I invest in? What people can I hire you know, to use the focus funnel, eliminate, automate, delegate, procrastinate, and concentrate? What are all of the things that I can do now that make tomorrow better? Now, if you do make the significance calculation, you're still going to need to prioritize that task and move that up to the top. And you could still add that task to your to-do list. So it doesn't mean that prioritizing is, is bad or wrong. Again, it doesn't mean to-do lists are bad and wrong. They're just limited. And they're not, they don't really capture the way that multipliers really think. Multipliers get outside of the urgent. You know, if you think of Richard Branson, for example, I'm sure that in all of his various companies, he has some customers that are probably pissed off, right? They're upset about something. My guess is, Richard isn't handling those issues personally. They may be very urgent. They may be big clients, but he is spending his time thinking more about the future and thinking about where are we going and how do we create better systems so that fewer people get pissed off later. That's a significance calculation. Um, He's a multiplier. He is someone spending time on things today that create more time and results tomorrow. You know, people like him is a great explanation for why they get exponentially different results from other people who work the same number of hours every day as he does. So how does somebody who, whether they're a business owner or an entrepreneur or somebody who's just a member of a family, like a housewife, Mm. how do we walk them through this focused funnel and these steps and give them maybe a taste of how they can end up on the other end of this funnel? Yeah, that's good. So let's take it to the level of practical now, right? And that's what the focus funnel is meant to be. It's it's a it's it's actually a picture. It's the core centerpiece of the whole the whole book. And actually anybody who's listening, if you go to procrastinateonpurpose.com, you can uh, register for a free 1-hour webinar where you you can watch and I explain the whole thing and you can see the image um because this is some of this is pretty radical for people, Eric, and especially they hear it yeah. the first time it just doesn't doesn't set in. So well, anyway, and, and what strikes me is, is some of it is actually the opposite of radical. It's the same old stuff, but it's the perspective that you're using, giving a, a reason or, or let's use the word significance to these actions in the funnel. That's right, because the book is not about tips and tricks, tools and technology. Right. It's about how to think differently about time. And to be thinking based on significance and multiplication. Now, some of the practical things may be things you're already doing right. So to go through the funnel, if you just picture a funnel, in at the top, the wide part, you know, these are all of your tasks coming in, all of your ideas to do, all of your stuff that's going on, you know, personal, professional. All those inboxes. All those inboxes, all the various inboxes. The first question is you say, Can I eliminate this? You know, can this be eliminated? The permission there is the permission to ignore, and that's really about the emotion, like the emotion of guilt, right? We say yes to things we really want to say no to just because we don't want to offend anybody. And part of what you got to realize is you're always saying no. You cannot go through life without saying no, even though we try, because anytime you say yes to one thing, you simultaneously are saying no to an infinite number of other things. And so what happens is by saying yes to things we don't want to say yes to, we inadvertently end up saying yes to things that don't matter, and then we accidentally are saying no to the things that do matter. So we're like the go-to guy for whatever, the, some project at work, mm-hmm. but then we never see our kids, as, a, as an example. Yeah. 
So eliminate multiplies your time because anything you say no to today is going to free up time tomorrow. And most of us might not realize the power and importance of saying no because inside of today, if absent the significance calculation, if I'm only looking at my day today, thinking of the here and now, saying no just seems hard. It just seems like it's painful and it's confrontational and I don't like it. But somebody who makes the significance calculation, again, how long does this matter? They're thinking of how this affects the future, not just how it affects here and now. Is they're saying, if I say no today, that's going to give me more time tomorrow. So then uh, automate is the permission to invest. Most of you that are listening, if I asked you, I said, do you know of a technology that would make your business better? Do you know of a system that needs to be improved in your business? Uh, do you know of, of a process that could be created around, you know, even around the house uh, that if you did it today, it would make it more streamlined tomorrow? Most of us would say, yes, I do. And then we say, why don't you do that? And people would say, I don't have the time. And it's ironic that the very answer we would use, or they would say, I, don't have, I might not have the money. Yeah. But the thing is, anything you create a process for today saves you time tomorrow. In the automate chapter of the book, we talk about a new phrase, which we call ROTI. It's basically, it's return on time invested. And here's a practical example. Like if I asked you, Eric, I said, you know, do you have an extra three hours open in your schedule today to set up online bill pay? Like, do you just have three hours where you're not doing anything today? You don't have anything on the calendar? <laughs> yeah, you, you, I, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, no. When, I mean, when was the last time you walked around and you're like, man, I got nothing to do. <laughs> I got nothing to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's not you, right? So, but I say, look, spend the two hours or three hours to set up online bill pay. Why? Because then every month it's going to save you whatever, 15, 20, 30 minutes of writing all of those checks and, and doing all that stuff. So I've invested two hours, but then every month, let's say I get 30 minutes back. After four months, I break even. And every month thereafter, and gosh, I've had my cell phone plan with Verizon for 16 years. <laughs> um, every month thereafter, it's multiplying time. It's doing something for me that I would be doing. But most of us don't give ourselves the permission to invest because we say, I don't have the time to set that up. I don't have the money to buy that technology. I would love to have it. But even if I did have the money, I wouldn't have the time to set it up. And multipliers think completely different. They make that significance calculation and they go, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, and a great example, we use Infusionsoft and it revolutionized right. our business. And it's like, yeah, it was a pain to get Infusionsoft set up, and we invest a good bit of money of it. But man, the moment that we had it all dialed in and turned on, I mean, it, it ex- our business has exploded. Our revenue doubled and our bottom line quadrupled in like 18 months. It's because we're multiplying uh, because now the system is doing it. So that's automate. If it can't be eliminated, then you ask yourself the question, can it be automated? If it can't be automated, then you ask yourself the question, well, can it be delegated? And you ask, you know, can this be done by somebody else? Now, that permission is the permission of the imperfect. The reason most of us don't delegate is because we're afraid that someone else won't be able to do it as well as I can. Right. But one of the multipliers uh, that was profiled, he's actually in the book. Yeah, his profile made it in the book, so it's in the actual print. Um, he said, you've got to realize multipliers always know that 80% done by someone else is always better than 100% done by them. 
themselves. <laughs> nice. Yes. I, I, that is totally true. Totally true. And over time, they might not be able to do it as well as you the first time. But when you let them specialize in that task, you know, after two or three times, they'll be doing it as good as you. And then it won't take long for them to do it better than you ever would have been able to. But you've got to give yourself the permission of the imperfect so that you can make progress. So eliminate, automate, delegate. Those are the first three steps of the focus funnel. Now, if a task makes it through all of those, meaning it can't be eliminated, it can't be automated, it can't be delegated, then it shoots out the bottom of the funnel. And now there's only one remaining question because now you know the task must be done and it must be done by you. Okay. So now the only question that remains, which is a question that a lot of us overlook, is the question, does this need to be done now or can it wait until later? If it does need to be done now, there's no choice but to do it now. In other words, this is something that's going to multiply your time and it is urgent. There's a limited window to do this. Then that is concentrate. That's the permission to protect, is to say, you know what? I now have a clearly defined strategy that I have the confidence of knowing this task must be done, must be done by me, and it must be done right now. So I have to protect, I have to focus, I have to take the stairs, and that's where take the stairs uh, intersects. That's where I have to take action, I execute, I don't procrastinate, I go after it. But if you intentionally decide that now is not the right time, that it can wait, then that isn't eliminate, automate, or delegate. That is procrastinate on purpose, which is where the title of the book comes from. Procrastinate on purpose. That is the permission of the incomplete. That is saying, you know what? It's fine if I don't answer emails every second of every day because I'm going to be present on the phone conversations that I'm having with my customers, or I'm going to be present at dinner with my kids. I'm going to dedicate my full focus to laying out my strategy for 2015, and I'm not going to allow myself to be interrupted by insignificant things, you know, like a, whatever, a spam email, an incoming phone call. It amazes me how many people get an incoming phone call, and they answer it, and they go, I can't talk right now. I'll call you back. Oh, jeez. Like, why did you answer the phone? <laughs> Why did you answer the phone to tell me you couldn't talk right now? Like, we have voicemail, we have text, we have Twitter, we got, we got everything. Like, that's the stupidest thing ever to me. Uh, that person is missing the, per- the permission of incomplete. In other words, letting it pile up for a little while so that they can get to it later. What we find is that when you ask that question, can this wait until later? If the answer is yes, you pop it back to the top of the funnel. So it goes into this holding pattern where it's cycling through the funnel If the answer to the question, can this wait until later, is always yes, then what you find is that over time, a lot of those activities disappear. They disappear. They they get eliminated, automated, or delegated just on their own. And so not everything is an emergency like we make it. A lot of us treat it like it is, and we have alarms on everything as if it was an emergency. Like, oh my gosh, an email came in. I need my phone to beep, and I need it to chirp, and and I need a a thing to flash up in the bottom corner of my window so I don't miss it. But they're not emergencies. There's very, very few things that cannot wait at least a couple hours, right? And and you have a plan for, for getting to it. But all of this comes back to the idea that you multiply your time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that will create more time tomorrow. You stop living urgent and you start living significant. 
Ugh. That's a perfect landing place for this episode, which you have no idea how many different past episodes of this podcast you've just tied together nice and neatly. So cool. I'm going to have to list a whole bunch of, you know, five to 10 plus of the major significant episodes of this podcast together in the show notes for this one. That's awesome. So the book pop procrastinate on purpose. Yeah. January 6th, 2015. Correct. So that that's when that's the official release date. I mentioned this earlier. If you go to procrastinate on purpose.com, You'll have an opportunity. You can register for a free one-hour webinar, and you can see some of the visuals that go with okay. the things we've been talking about. And then there is a uh, the first four thousand people that pre-order the book. There, there's a, a pretty amazing deal, and they get they can get take the stairs, and they get procrastinating on purpose, and they get a galley copy of procrastinating on purpose sent to them immediately today. So they basically get three books plus some other stuff for thirty bucks. Um, they get a video course and all that. But the coolest thing is you get an advanced reader copy of the book mailed today if you're one of the first 4,000. And then we'll send you the hardcover also in January when it's officially published. Awesome. So listeners, don't procrastinate to go grab Procrastinate <laughs> on purpose. And then Rory will not procrastinate to send you a galley copy immediately to start reading, especially right now in this Christmas break coming time through to New Year's when everybody's thinking about making these changes that you need to be changing anyway. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Eric. I, this is such a fun conversation to have with somebody like you who has, has has looked at this topic from so many different angles and so many different perspectives and had so many amazing guests uh, on the show. And so it's, it's really, really awesome to be here. Well, Roy, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for helping us to really look beyond the to-do list. My pleasure. So, what did you think? I, man, I can't tell you enough how much these two books, as well as with the past episode, the new version of Getting Things Done from David Allen, those three books should honestly almost be considered steroids for your productivity. And someone should call foul on that if there were sports that was productivity. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. In fact, I hope that you enjoyed it so much that you went ahead and grabbed Rory's new book and Take the Stairs and that you will let him know how much you enjoyed this episode. And again, I hope that you check out Casper Mattress by going to casper.com slash to-do and using the code to-do to get $50 off any mattress they have. Thanks again to the folks over at Casper for supporting Beyond the To-Do List and Better Sleep, including mine. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I will see you in 2015. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.